All right, well, welcome to our Wednesday midweek service. And uh, we've been spending the last, this is the second week? Probably the second week. Uh, we started last week on a chiseled image. So we're going to get back in the chiseled image. And we, you know, we talked about how God made us in this image and after his likeness. We're going to reference that scripture again today. And we also talked about how, you know, because of sin, we got callous or hard. And so, whereas we were originally designed from clay to be molded into his image, um, because of the, the, the sins of the world and because of the hardness of hearts, God's had to chisel out that image that's already embedded within us. Uh, with that in mind, we're going to go to Romans 5, 5 to open up today. It's a familiar scripture, but we'll lock into it to express what we have. Romans 5, 5, it says, and well, <laughs> probably hard to read through without reading through. We'll start at verse 1 and then read all the way to verse 5. Uh, it says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we talked about peace in the content with God teaching. It says, but whom also we have we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation. So, so we have this hope, but even in tribulation. We glory in tribulation also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. It says in patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. So it says that, you know, again, we, we have this hope or this intense expectancy is one of the definitions for hope um, uh, to experience the glory of God, to be changed uh, from, one, from glory to glory, which we'll share that scripture here later. But it said because the, God's love is shed abroad in our hearts. And so God was revealing to me that that love uh, it's his embedded, or that love is embedded in his design, his image, his likeness. Um, and God is constantly trying to chisel or carve it out. And so, so what I mean by that is here, when God made us an image after his likeness, remember God is not someone that just uh, acts in love. He is love. So what was going through the fiber of God's being while he was designing us was all the love that's in him. So every piece of us, whether it's the hair on our head, uh, our fingernails, our facial expressions, our wisdom, our insight, our gifts, our discernment, every aspect of us, of us has a touch of God's love. So when we tap into our design, we're tapping into all the love of God, right? And so, so, it's, and so it makes sense how the adversary tries to distract us from our original design or God's image because once we embrace that, we, we operate in the full love of God. I remember when I was on campus uh, at Ohio State football, I came in one day and we was doing Bible study and one of the young men was playing the keyboard, but he wasn't playing around. He was playing that thing. And um, uh, I'll say C, right? And so then the other young man was singing, Chris. And, uh, and so I, I said, what's going on here? Like, so I didn't know, the, the young man I was playing was playing, playing. But he wasn't just, you know, it was kind of classical with flavor, you know. I was like, I didn't know you could do that. And the other guy was singing, so the guy that was singing actually went to the church. I said, man, I didn't know you could sing. I said, how come you don't sing at the church? And I said this, I said, you know what? I said, God created a whole being. So, yes, I know you're out here playing college football. I said, but imagine how your game would be if you sung too. See, you're tapping into another part of the love of God in your life. You're stimulating more in your life. So, so when, we, um, when we do anything to embrace, touch, or express God's design, um, we're tapping into the love of God in every aspect of it. So let's look at Hebrews 11 here. All right? Hebrews 11, another familiar scripture that align up with what we're talking about. So we, so we just said how 
you know, here God made us in his image after his likeness. And, and of course, he, uh, of Genesis 1, 28. But of course, he, uh, when he started designing us, all the love that's in God is in his design within us, right? And so, uh, you know, we, what, is, what is the statement? Looking for love in all the wrong places. You know what I'm saying? So, you, you know, we're looking for love in, in the money and in, the, in, in this uh, status and stuff like that. When we, we've had it uh, within us the whole time, there's a treasure hidden in our earthen vessel the whole time. And it's full of God's love, right? His image or his design for us. All right, so Hebrews 11, 6 says this. It says, but without faith, without faith is it impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so, without faith is impossible to please God. So, uh, um, that was the scripture that I was missing for you guys. And, uh, and it's without faith in God's design, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible. So without faith in God's design, it's impossible for us to please him in our actions of conformity. You know, without faith in God's design. So here, God fearfully and wonderfully made us. Um, I think we're going to hit that later too. But he, 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 all of his love is in our design. So here, God's saying, God loved us. What is the scripture says? We loved him because he first loved us. And, and he, he didn't just express his love in sending Christ for us. He, he expressed his love from the very hair on our head. Every aspect of us is God's love in action. And so how would you feel if you gave your all for someone to become who they are and they despise what you gave them? You know, so he says, God gave us everything we needed. <laughs> and we're looking around for something that we have within, right? And see, so, so this thing, as we're talking about chisel image, God's image is the core of, of what we call imagination. But I'm going to say God's imagination. So God's image is the core of God's Im- imagination placed inside of us, Right? God's image is the core of his imagination placed inside of us. So, so look at it from this angle. So God made us in his image, but he knew we're born in sin and shaping in iniquity so you can get clouded in conformity. So he placed his image on the inside of us, right? You know, and made sure that we were equipped with something within our soul called imagination. Right? So we actually can tap into this image, right? So, so you know, he, because he, so, we're made his image, so we have, a, we, we have a piece of God. So it's God's really imagination. He just shared it with us. And so, so we can tap into who we are. So, so when, we, when we think about this, uh, uh, when God showed me this, imagination, Right? So, if you look at the word imagination, you have image at the beginning of the word, you have the word in at the middle of the word, and you have uh, ation at the end of it, or action. The word ation means action. That's, that, that's a suffix. It actually means action. So, it's his image in action. Our imagination is, gives us a picture of his image in action, or... Uh, at the beginning of the word, you have a, a mad image, and at the second half of the word is nation. So is the word, the beginning of the word is image, the second half of the word is nation, that means people. So it's God's people in his image. So imagination is either image in action or God's people, uh, does that mean? What am I doing to cause that? All right, so hopefully I fixed it. All right, so it's God's people uh, in his image. So everything is a, a so, so when God gave us a soul, we have our mind, our will, our emotions, and our 
intellect and our imagination within our soul, housed in our soul. But he gave us that imagination to be able to, so we can actually see his image within us, right? And so the word imagination, let's, let's look at some definitions for imagination. So imagination, the ability to form mental images, uh, uh, phonological uh, passages or paths, uh, analogies or narratives of something that is not perceived through our senses. So our imagination helps us to see something that our senses can't feel and don't even recognize or, and half the time won't even believe. So, so our imagination extends our experience and, thought, uh, and thoughts, uh, enables uh, a personal construction of a worldview that lowers our sense of uncertainty. So we we not trying to get deep, but we operate in uncertainty. And I know I'm probably going a little fast, but they have it. Uh, well, they have most of it, not all of that definition on the screen, at least a simple version. But so, so we have this sense of a certain uncertainty that we're navigating through life. And God gave us an imagination so we can see and believe beyond what seems to be uncertain. Right. Another def- definition for imagination um, is uh, the manifestation of our memory that enables us to scrutinize our past and construct hypothetical future scenarios that do, that do not yet uh, but could exist. And I'm going to repeat that because for some reason, um, uh, I know it's not on the screen because for some reason I couldn't find it. All right, so imagination is a manifestation of our memory, right? It's a manifestation of our memory that enables us to scrutinize our past and construct hypothetical future scenarios, hypothetical future scenarios that do not yet but could exist. They do not exist yet, but they could exist. Basically, imagination enables us to create new meanings from, listen to this, cognitive cues or stimuli within the environment, which which on occasion can lead us to new insights. And, and I got that definition from Dr. Murray Hunter. But, but I want to repeat that last part because it's, it's going to remind us of the breadcrumbs teaching. It says imagination enables us to create new meanings from cognitive cues. Something triggers us, right? Or we call them signs, right? Or cognitive cues or stimuli. Something catches our attention within the environment which on occasion can lead to new insights. That's Dr. Murray Hunter's definition of imagination. So think about God's imagination in us. He has imagination as we're traveling through life. And as we're traveling through life, we recognize breadcrumbs. But the breadcrumbs is trying to lead us into God's design, right? So they're cognitive cues or stimuli to go, wait a minute. And so now you start to process things uh, different. Well, we call it change, <laughs> right? You know, we, we, when we decide to change, you know, sometimes we, you know, because we're, we're creatures of habit, you know. I, I was, uh, was thinking through, my wife asked me something yesterday. And she says, you want me to do it? I said, no, nah, I got it. And so I know how she processes things, if you only let me help you, right? But sometimes she may process like, you don't want me to do it because you don't trust me to do it. So I'm always reflecting. But it's not that I don't trust her. I'm a creature of habit. So it's, it's, I, I have, a, I have a, a routine that keeps me flowing. So it's not stress when I'm in my routine. But it's different when I get away from the routine. You know, I think we all have a little, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, slight autism in there somewhere. Yeah, or you say OCD or what have you. But uh, So I, I, I thought about that. I didn't get a chance to tell you, but I was just thinking through. I was like, this is habit because I, I trust I do a thousand things. Um, and I think we all do that, but at the time we're not thinking through, you're interrupting, not you're interrupting my flow, 
it's hard for me to leave my flow. <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying? And so I think when we get these cues, think about it. We got to leave a habit or how we've been operating. Me and my wife is talking on the way here how people are not necessarily, some people are doing things in life that we don't agree with because we've seen the results of being in these environments, hanging out with these folk, risking ourselves with some type with vices and poisons and things of that nature. But the reality is sometimes people are not trying to do anything crazy or evil. They're, it's a result of habit. They've gotten around a certain amount of people. They meet at this particular time. They smoke this, drink this, or do whatever, and it's a part of habit now. You see what I'm saying? But what God does is he sends us cues. When we're in those environments, you've experienced this. When you're in those environments, he sends us cues, even in the environment that's telling us change. It's telling us to change that habit, leave the situation. This is not you, right? He's sending us cues to, our, to, to his image for our lives. That's what he's sending us, cues for, to, to his image for our lives. But, but the world is trying to get us to conform as something that's outside of God's design for his image, if that makes sense, right? And so uh, I, I like Webster's def- definition. Webster was, was, was on it in a lot of ways. But the act or power of forming a mental image of something not present to the senses or never before wholly perceived in reality. So I'm going to repeat that. And I know people can read it on, on, uh, the, on the watching. But it says, the, uh, the act or power of forming a mental image of something not present to the senses. Senses don't even pick it up or never before wholly perceived in reality. So, so your imagination picks up stuff that has not sometimes ever existed. But to, your imagination reveals to you as it's real, right? Because it's coming out of God's image for you. So he's constantly showing you what you can be and do beyond what, the, what, what you see tells you, <laughs> right? What you see tells you, his image not their image. And so when you think about imagination, there's a couple of ways uh, our, our imagination can be processed. Of course, there's a godly way, and then there's, if the adversary gets a hold of your imagination, he'll put the wrong things on that canvas. So you have something called imagery. Now, the interesting thing about imagery, Im- imagery is pretense, make-believe, or fantasy. Imagery. Pretense, make-believe, or pr- fantasy. So that's using the same imagination to picture something that's never going to be real. Right? So, so you stay in illusion or delusion for a long time. But then you have what God wants us to operate in or why he gave us this imagination. It's called imagine. Imagine is visualization. Seeing all that God has designed on the inside, seeing yourself walking in it and it manifested in your life. Right? So you have Imagery, which is fantasy, make-believe, and pretense. Like, you know, people can stay stuck in pretense or make-believe for a long time. You know, you can live in fantasy. You know that, right? You can live in make-believe. Guys do it all the time. You know, guys are dreamers. We can just stay stuck in a dream or in a theory forever, but never really moving towards, right? Selling for less than you deserve or less than your design. But imaging visualization, you see clearly to what you're designed to be. And it's hard for you to sell on anything that ain't real, right? You, 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 you're inspired by the truth of who you are. And it keeps you moving and you can't settle for anything less. And so, so this, is, this is when back in the day when people used their imagination the wrong way. They created graven images. You see graven images. It was, it was imagery that man carved in the stone, creating his own God to worship. So he created something that wasn't real and worshiped it. But the reality is you could tell his pretense and make believe he made it. So it couldn't possibly be God. You see what I'm saying? So we do that all the time. We create our own imagery, right? <laughs> right? Fantasy or pretense or make believe, Right? But God wants us to use this uh, imagination in the right way. 
you know, within that word, you always think of, you think of the word imagine in general. So the, you know, the definition is, uh, uh, is from the word psalmen, psalmam, psalmam, I'm sorry, which is meditate or devise. So God has given us this imagination to meditate or devise. Scripture tells us to meditate on the word day and night. Because if you picture that, if you keep it before your eyes, it's going to be your trigger all the time. I was, I was a, you know, I do graphics, but I'm also, I also do, I put together notes. I use computers all the time. And, um, you know, right now, since, you know, I am my secretary. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so, I'm, so I'm doing stuff. But uh, this young lady that I work with, work with at the last church, uh, she's the one that uh, you'd always challenge me to get a Mac. She says, well, you like art and stuff like that. You should get you a Mac. You need a Mac. You know, so the church had bought Macs for the creative department. I had a PC. And so when she was out on vacation, I had to fill in for her. And I remember when she was going through the instructions of what to do, she kept saying one thing over and over and over, save is your friend. Like I remember it to this day because think about how many times you've lost documents because you didn't save it. And the computer decided on its own to shut down. So she kept saying, save is your friend, save is your friend. So even now to this day when I'm doing work, I'll go, save is your friend. When I finish something, I'll save it. When I finish something, I'll save it. Now I've blown it a couple of times and lost some valuable work, especially when I'm doing art, all them layers, I lost it all. Um, save is your friend. Well, well, that's in my default. It, it, it comes up, right? Uh, walk in the spirit, you should not feel the lust of the flesh. That's in my default. Cast down all imaginations, every high thing is all itself against knowledge of God. Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ Jesus. That's in my default. That, that's in my image. I see that all the time. It, it just comes up. Uh, let another man praise thee, not with thine own mouth, not with thine own lips. It's in my default. Right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things to be added unto you. Man, I see that all the time when I'm in situations. God first, God first, God first, God first. You know, uh, uh, do all things to the glory of God. My default. So sometimes as people come to church, they're not coming in on the same default. And my default is this is God's church. It's, it's not me and Pastor Mel's church. It's God's church. We're the people that's been allowed to be pastors at the church, right? So everything that's done has to be what God wants. So people come to church, and they, we get the heat, though. You know, like, see, there they go again. It's God's church. God is telling us what to communicate to his people so they can walk in his image. He's not saying communicate to people what's going to be comfortable for them. He's saying communicate to people who's going to line them up or what I designed them to do. That's your job. Yeah, but God, they ain't going to like that. No, you tell them anyway. I, this is what I put them here for. And you, they're looking at it as a punishment, but I'm trying to relieve them from the pain of their life. I'm trying to get them to a place to be fulfilled. And, you, and I need somebody that will not get intimidated. Don't feel, don't be not dismayed by their faces. Don't be... Uh, uh, be not dismayed by their faces. What is it? Don't be afraid of their looks or their speech. I, I'm saying it wrong, but it's Jeremiah and Ezekiel, <laughs> right? And so, so it's, it's, and so th this is the other thing that pulls. You're being obedient to give people what it takes to walk in his image. They, they, so it's one thing to kick and scream. Okay, so you got, uh, let's see, you got three kids. So let's say the kids, uh, uh, you tell them something was best so they can walk in God's image, and they decide they don't want to do it. Well, let's say two of them. Let's say one of them. Let's say that little dude right there. He decides he doesn't want to do it. So that's one thing. You got, you're working with this kid dude, but suppose he decides he needs to get the other two to not do it also. You'd be like, well, it'd be cool. It's not cool that you're not doing it, but make a decision for yourself. Why are you trying to change the whole house? Right? But people do that at church all the time, don't they? Instead of saying, you know what, I'm just not, I'm just not feeling that right now. When I feel it, I'll get with it. No, they got to go and find some other people to go. What do you think about that? I don't think that's, a, man, I don't even know why they do it. You think that's legit? I don't think that. So now you're poisoning them. Why? You just don't agree. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But you don't agree with what God is saying. 
Now, if, you, if it's not in the Word, that's different. If it's a personal preference, you should, everybody should wear orange uh, for the rest of their life if they want to be blessed. But that ain't in the Bible. <laughs> you know, that, that's crazy. <laughs> that, that ain't in the Bible. Right? So, so, so with that in mind, this is, this, uh, our, our imagine, or to imagine is to meditate or devise things that line up with God's image. But if, if that imagination is in the wrong hands, we'll plot. That's using your imagination in a bad way. Right? And then there's another word, uh, Hagah, um, H-A slash G-A-H, and that's ponder, that's to ponder also. Remember, Mary pondered some things. So, so, so here, she saw Jesus making moves, but, but the Holy Spirit had told her some stuff, but she had to keep it on the canvas of her imagination. So when Jesus started to move in certain ways, she wouldn't put restraint on him because there's nothing that Jesus had to do that was going to line up with what anybody else did. So suppose you got a Jesus in your house. So we were talking about this earlier. No offense to anybody that this relates to, but we were talking about, uh, so my wife was doing something. Uh, was you, which hand was you using? You were using your right hand with what you was doing, but you was doing something else with your left hand. And she said, well, you know I'm both-handed, right? And I said, well, you know, me and you went through the same thing. We started out, because as long as I can remember, before anybody instructed me, I used my left hand. And one, when I was staying with foster parents, their daughter came by one day and was like, what are you doing? You're right-handed. Now, this wasn't based on information on the birth certificate or nothing like that. This was based on a culture that thought that you, everybody was supposed to be right-handed. And so she said, you're right-handed. So that day, I switched the fork to my right hand. And from that point, I started operating right-handed. But I was doing left-handed without thinking about it. So now basketball helped me to wake my left hand back up because I started to use my left hand for basketball. While I got serious about basketball, I hurt my right hand, so I played the whole summer left-handed. So I used both hands playing basketball, picking up stuff and navigating through stuff, driving or what have you. But, but I was always supposed to use my left hand. I don't know. My, it would work to my advantages. They told me I was right-handed, so I used both. So both sides of my brain is stimulated all the time. And so we were talking about how you're designed a way and people put on you what they think based on what everybody's doing. As opposed to really hearing from God and customizing your life for God's image in your life, right? <laughs> so, so, so going back to that scripture, 2 Corinthians 10.5, Look, it says, cast down all imagination. Let's, let's look at it. We quote it here a lot at our church. You know, keep us out of having the wrong thoughts on our mind, right? <laughs> right? It's a lot of, we talked about subliminal messages the other day. A lot of messages people be trying to put on your, on your brain. All right, so uh, you almost can confess this for images that you don't know is embedded, you know? <laughs> you know, especially with the subliminal messages. So 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says, casting down imaginations, right? And every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ Jesus. So this is saying there's make-believe or pretense or the wrong things on a canvas of your imagination, right? And it says, when it says uh, this word imagination, uh, logismos, it's a reasoning, you know, cast down the reasoning, the questioning that's on your canvas of your imagination. Take inventory, estimate, uh, computate, think on the, the things that, you know, the Scripture says guard your heart with all diligence. You know, think on the things that you're allowing on the canvas of your imagination that's going to lead you outside of God's image for your life as opposed to harmonizing with it. And that was the reason why in uh, Genesis 11.6, uh, when it says, uh, uh-oh, uh-oh, we got to confound their language. Because they was, it, says that they, it says they was of one mind, one speech. Let's, we can look at it real quick. Let's look at Genesis 11, just so we put it on our eye gate too. That'll burn it on our, uh, the canvas of our imagination also. Besides writing it down and reading it. 
eye gate, ear gate, right? Genesis eleven six. It says, and the Lord said, behold, the people is one. Imagine that. It says, look, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them that they have imagined to do. So they were, they were operating in the right principle for the wrong reason. See, they were, de- we're designed to come together. We're just pieces to God's picture. We talked about that in Pictures and Pieces, right? We're just pieces uh, and so he made us in his image after his likeness. He didn't give us all of him. He gave us our piece of him. But he set it up where we all need each other, fitly joined together. And so when we get in agreement, which think about the world's whole design is individualism or isolation. So it's hard for people to harmonize an agreement. Everybody, think about what's rebellion? People are breaking out of the house, breaking out of church, breaking out of covenant, breaking boundaries. What's the culture now? The culture is break out. Well, we're just going to do whatever. Well, we're all over the place. But when people are in agreement, if you look at all your documentaries of people that build banks and change cities, there was harmony. People that win championships is agreement, harmony. Churches that grow, people that are in, in agreement and harmony. And so God set up this system. Uh, even the, uh, uh, the disciples went with one mind, one speech in the upper room, and the power of God fell on them. That's when they was doing it the right way, <laughs> right? But here... He says, man, nothing can be restrained from their imagined to do. So, so, so the, in the Kamash, the Kamash reads, uh, as a, it's a Jewish study of this, this chapter, it said that they didn't learn from the flood. See, so, so, so there was, they, they were operating in the wrong way. It caused a flood. God wiped things out. They still didn't learn from the flood. <laughs> so, so he's like, man, we're going to have to separate them. You know, because if they keep, because uh, they was looking at, uh, uh, Kamashi breaks down that Satan was trying to influence Nimrod no, to build a tower back to heaven because, remember, he got cast down from heaven. And they would have been able to build because they were in agreement. But it would have been for the wrong reasons, right? And it was the wrong influence. And so, so I want to read this to you. I've, I've shared this probably uh, maybe one or tw- two other times. I know I shared it. Probably five, six years ago, but it says, but it says, but such is man's capacity for self-deception that he can negate reality and build substance around a vacuum of nothing. So I want to repeat that. I know that you guys have it where you can read it online, but such is man's capacity for self-deception that he can negate reality and build substance around a vacuum of nothing, right? He can create his own story and pretense. And this is what happened in, in uh, Genesis 11. Now, I got that, that, that uh, uh, definition from the Kamash, but, and it was breaking down what they were doing in Genesis. It's like, wow, it's like they were so conformed to the world. They, they, they had this ability on the inside but because they were operating as, as mere men, they didn't submit their gifts to God. You know, they started to deceive themselves, negate reality, and start building around nothing. See, because the thing is, you build around something, nothing, it looks like something, but what's its foundation? Its foundation is empty. It, it caves in and falls eventually. And we do that in our lives. We build relationships around nothing. Sometimes we build friendships around nothing. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we build dreams around nothing. And we wonder, how come this, this, this doesn't, I keep getting to this point and bam, I get to this point and bam, what's at the core? See, see I, 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 I was reflecting on a relationship I have and, you know, the person does well in their life and, they, you know, they've allowed me to mention them in their life. And what I thought through is, okay, so how do I share with them what's the difference? And the Lord gave me something. He says, well, the difference is I got God first. And this is what I mean by I got God first. The, the most important thing was to get God first. So I, so I don't know if y'all play chess, but I play chess. And so some people, when they play chess, they, you know, when they're young, they just start moving pieces. They really out here. But I don't, <laughs> I keep telling you all my strategies when I play, but I set up a defense first. So no matter what I'm doing out here, 
If you try to come in there, you're just going to get tilted. So I, so I have everything all set up. For, while everybody's moving around, I'm setting up my defense first. So, so I have my foundation together, and I can go out and do my thing with you, which is my other strategy. But I'm not looking over my shoulder because my fortress is together. You just can't get in there without giving up something valuable, right? And so that's what I've done in my life. I established my defense first in the presence of God. So now I can go out and, and, and navigate through the things God told me to do because, like, like my foundation is set. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Some people are, see, I got the king first, not the things. And so since I have the king first, as God is sending things, the things don't have me because I got the king. The king that nothing that I get in this life, we talk about contentment at our house the other day. Nothing I get in this life thrills me like the king. Nothing excites me like the king, fulfills me like the king. So these things are a part of my life. They're not my life. If I lose them, I still got the king. <laughs> are you kidding? But if I get the things first, if I lose them, I'm hurt. I'm empty. If I get the relationship before the king, if I lose the relationship, I'm depressed. I'm sad. But if I got the king, you're like, ah, sorry that didn't work out. <laughs> I still got the king. You see what I'm saying? So, so, so it's... <laughs> It's gonna make it's gonna make a lot of sense here in a minute. All right, so 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 what happens is when man creates this self-deception, basically they're they're abusing the imagination's purpose. As Miles Monroe said, if you understand the purpose of a thing, you'll abuse it. So our imagination was given us to us what to see God's image and to act on the image we see. Remember, image in action, right? on God's image that we see. So every time we see uh, a cue or a stimuli, we act on that image versus, you know, uh, acting on conformity because it's the new thing or it's the fad, right? So, so, so it was in Genesis 11, the one speech, the one language, the one vision, it wasn't a bad thing, but he, in, within their rebellion or their cloudedness, to do the right thing the wrong way, there's still a clue in there. Nothing can be restrained from them that they imagine to do because they were what? One speech, one language, one vision. The thing is that one vision just has to be God's. One speech, one language, one, vi one vision, and it's God's, we're unstoppable. I right, so let's look at 1 Corinthians 1. Let's go over there. So here God has this chiseled image and he's trying to, um, hoping that we uh, draw an eye unto him as he draws an eye unto us and, 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 and we start to get a thirst for his image as opposed to the conformity of this world. So 1 Corinthians 1.10, it says, look, it says, now I beseech you, you know, uh, Paul used that beseech you language is a sense of urgency, <laughs> right? Brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment, processing things the same way. So that's what the goal is. So when we go, I don't think we think that's important. Here we go. Listen, everybody ain't going to be at that level. Listen, join any team. Join any business. You work at a, a business. Join any staff. They don't go, okay, where are you in life? Because we're going to change our whole vision to make sure you're comfortable. That never happened. You just took a job. They didn't, in the training, they didn't go, hey, you just tell us what you like to do, and we're just going to customize the job for you. No, in the training, they'd be like, this is how we roll. And you don't, it doesn't have to line up. She worked for a company. They had her selling stuff that she was like, man, she think I be pushing these products. Now I can't do this to these people. Yes, you can if you want the job. She left the job. 
Join a team. He's on a team. You join a team. You go to college. You can't go in and, yo, this how, is how I want everybody to roll. Because back at our high school, yo, I was the man. They don't care. They give you this big book. Well, it used to be a big book. Now they probably give you an iPad when you come to Division I school. They give you the book. And this is the playbook that you have to learn. They don't go, now, now, now what do you like to do? No, this is, we gave you this scholarship and this money for our vision. And you got to roll with the vision. Most people that leave the school is because they don't get it. Faithful in another man's is chasing us all around in every aspect of all of our lives. Because that's how God set it up for you to get your own. See, the faithful in another man's, you know how that, that, that uh, caterpillar got to squeeze through that cocoon? Or, or, like, and it squeezes the fluids into the wings? Faithful in another man's is... It's us squeezing through, the, it's the cocoon, the, another man's is the cocoon that we got to squeeze through the flush, the, the, the fluid into our wings so we can fly in our life and have our own. And we walk up to the cocoon and be like, they got me twisted, man. I'm not trying to squeeze through nothing. I'm not doing it. There's got to be another way. And we cheating ourselves, right? All right, so, so, so one mind, one speech. So the imagination's canvas when we're not uh, when we're not transformed or conformed to the world, is erased or is replaced through unbelief. So, so God has given us this image. Within this image, he's given us his imagination to see what we're designed to do. What, what stops us from becoming that is when we start to deal with unbelief. It replaces what's on our canvas. We see different. The picture's been switched on us. So the perception of, and, and, and this is, unbelief is this, the perception of unsolvable problems demanding the need for compromise. See, so, so now I'm, I'm, I believe God, I'm moving. Now nobody's doing this, but I can see what God told me to do. And the adversary is trying to present problems, right? Or the perception of unsolvable problems, and, and, and unsolvable problems demand the need for compromise. Man, oh, you can't go do that. What about this right here? Well, you got to take care of this right now, and this is the best way to do it. And before you know it, you're in this, this, this uh, momentum of compromise, and now you're you living a life of unbelief. And soon somebody tells you something that lines up with your design, man, see everybody, how do you know? Like, like, but what it is is you, you didn't realize all this unbelief slipped in on you. And so you're playing off of unbelief, not belief. You're playing off of the world's limits, not God's design. Uh, Psalm 75, 78. <laughs> Ain't the glasses supposed to help you, brother? All right, so 78, Psalm 78, verse 40. We've read this around here before. It says, uh, how oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert. 41, yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They stopped believing. First of all, it says in the desert. How did they get to the desert? Through signs, wonders, and miracles. So, so, so we hear the story of the desert like, man, they tripping. No, it's, it's way beyond tripping. They experienced stuff some of us have never seen in our life. The God himself showed up with miracle. Not one. After miracle, after miracle, after miracle, after miracle, you get delivered from a seemingly an unsolvable problem of bondage in Israel, in, in Egypt. You're in the desert and you, you questioning God? You just saw stuff nobody's ever seen before. Locusts and, and water turning to blood and hell, like, the list goes on and on, right? But, but they limited the Holy One because they didn't believe his image. See, 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 while they were in the wilderness and they were isolated from all the distractions, it was God, it's, it was communion with God time. There's no other distractions. There's no other temptations. Hey, now let me show you who you really are and what I designed you to do. They wanted to go back 
to the distractions. The scripture says they turned back. They started complaining and murmuring and said, man, we, we was better off back with all the distractions. When they're, they were fighting against seeing their image, God's image for them, right? Uh, uh, John 20. This, this, is, this is how we operate when we're fighting against God's image. This is a great example, actually. John 20, and we're going to hit verse 25. This guy. <laughs> um, I'll start with verse 24. It says, but Thomas was one of the 12 called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. When Jesus, you know, he had told him he was coming back and he came back, but he wasn't with them. The other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. So basically, they told him what Christ had told him was going to happen, right? But he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the print of his nails and put my finger into the print of his nails and thrust my hand into his side, this is key word here. This is the, the crystallization of how we operate, how we've operated at times. I will not believe. He didn't say, well, it could be possible. Jesus did say it. You guys are saying it. I've been walking with you guys for a long time, at least three and a half years, and I know your character and how y'all flow. Y'all wouldn't just be making up stuff. You know what I'm saying? And he, Christ did say he did plenty of miracles, walked on water, all types of stuff, fed 5,000, fed all these different types of people, healed people. Hey, I know y'all tell me it's happening, man. You know, it's kind of hard to say. I wish I could just really see this for myself. I'm sorry I missed it. Man, it's hard to believe, but hey, this is a possibility. That's not what he said. He said, unless my senses are, the thirst for my senses are quenched. And I can touch it and feel it for myself. Witnesses with my natural eyes. I will not believe. So if these conditions aren't met, I don't care what you tell me. I don't care if you show me the sandals and it look like supernaturally he broke out of them. No, 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 no. I got to see it for myself. That's how we roll. We, there's more Thomases in this world than anything else. Because we, we make the statement, no, no, no. Some of us right now have not moved into all God has for them because I will not believe until I see it. That's where the phrase comes, blessed is the person that what? Believes and has not seen, right? Right? And so, 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 <laughs> see, and this is the thing. In, in these situations, people are believing something, Right? You got in a car. Yeah, I know how cars operate, right? Engines operate. You know there's a bunch of explosions going on, right? Right? No, no, cars, period. You know, the engine is a bunch of explosions, right? I don't need to bring Mr. Mar up here to give you all the whole breakdown, do I? <laughs> yes, but I, I mean, I know something. You know, I, I mean, it's a bunch of explosions, little mini explosions. But if you really knew how they work, some people probably wouldn't even get in them. But the car might blow up. I guarantee when they first start making cars and engines, people's like, listen, see, see, my, me and Joe, our character, get us where we going. Get! Get! Folk driving behind the car. See, young folk today, they don't know. They, when them cars blow up, they're going to see. They're going to know. They need to stay with that horse and buggy. <laughs> right? That's how folk roll. But we, we get in cars all the time. Matter of fact, we're getting in cars now and they shut off at the stoplight. We're believing it's going to start back up. Back in the day, if you got at the stoplight and your car shut off, what, what, what you thinking? Oh, man, we got to call AAA, right? Now cars shut off all the time. Brand new car, shut off and start back up on its own. So we operate in belief. They operate in belief back then too. They believe something, just not God's word. They believe something, just not God's word. Christ is the one that told them he was coming back. It wasn't uh, Pete from down the street. It was Christ. This word is, is God's word that we're, we believe in a whole lot of stuff. We'll believe the news. We're, listen, 
One week, they'll tell you, you can't eat this. If you eat this, you could die. We believe that. Next week, they'll tell you, I don't know why you're not eating that, man. You need to eat that. It's going to make you more healthy. Then you start eating it. And they treat like puppets. They be changing stuff off all the time. They went through a process where they were telling you milk wasn't good for you. Then all of a sudden, now, you need to eat milk. It's good for you, but you drink milk. It's good for your bones. So it's whatever they say, that's what you, we, how come, how come we don't roll like that with God? So we believe something, just not God's word. We, listen, when I say people believe the news, they believe the news like it's gospel. You, you know, years ago, a person called here, you guys all right? It's like, yeah, why? You know, and they were supposed to come to town. So they was like, oh, well, I don't know if I should come, um, you know, because the news report says it's going to be major storm. I said, well, I, I, I don't know what they tell you. I said, but it's bright and sunny out here. And, and so they said, the, the one news station starts with a C. They said, <laughs> they said well, they said, uh, um, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be tornadoes, this, that, and the other. I said, well, you know, it was CNN. I said, well, you, you need to see in the book. <laughs> I said, and it never was no storm here. First of all, we're inland. You know, we're not on the coast. But, but we, we believe reports, but we don't believe what God says. And let's go to Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26. I'm going to speed up a little, a little tiny bit. Isaiah 26. Our favorite scripture. Mine. Might not be yours, but mine. All right, so uh, Isaiah 26, verse 3. It says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted him in thee. Right? And, and so the Amplifier says, who's, when it says mind, it's thoughts or, imag- or imagination. Right? It stayed on, on him. So both your inclinations and your character is stayed on him. Your thoughts and your imagine. So, so, so again, I have to, it's not enough that I have an imagination, but I have to make sure my imagination is used for God's purpose. I got to keep my imagination locked in on God's word. See, this word is keys. I've given you the keys. It triggers and it unlocks uh, all this God has put in us when he designed us in his image. And the more we see his image, the more we're stimulated, we're excited, and we start to move. That's what happens when you get around certain people, you feel like motivated because they're speaking right directly to the image of God in you. They've been designed to awaken that image on the inside of you. All right? And so, so the scripture says in Psalm, I'm going to let you check it out for yourself when you get a chance, Psalm 106, 12 through 14, and 21 through 15. Right? Yeah. Let's just go there. Psalm 106. So 106, uh, start here with verse 12. It says, they believe, it says, then believe they his words and sang his praises, right? So, you know, God was doing all types of wonderful things, as we just talked about, for the children of Israel. Verse 13. Then soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel. <laughs> it, 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 like, of course, this is just within one verse. I know with some time that went by. So they was believing him, and all of a sudden they forgot his works and didn't wait on his counsel, his word. Did things in their, in, in, based on their own understanding. It says, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. Soon as they start following their own counsel. Uh, 21 says... It says, they forgot God, their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and terrible things by the Red Sea. Terrible meaning great things by the Red Sea. Therefore, he said that they would, he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy it. It's like, like I, here, I'm doing this for you guys, but, but all of a sudden, you, you lose sight of my design and my image for you. So we have to, you have to keep your thoughts on what you want manifested, and that's God's image in you. And the delay is not like they're not good things you could do. You know, some of us can do a lot of things. The delay is not that you can, you can or cannot do those things. 
The delay is, are those things God's image for your life? What he designed for you to do? Right? The scripture says, uh, when we look into this word, uh, it's like looking through a, uh, beholding yourself in the mirror, you change it to his image day by day. 2 Corinthians 3.18. See, image, if you think about image and imagination, it's the core of imagination. It's the core of imagination. Right? You change it to his image. Uh, Psalm 104.34. Psalm 104.34 says, my meditation shall be sweet. Why? Because I'm meditating on his word. My whole focus is his image for my life, so I'm speaking out the things God says. God is so excited when we recognize who we are and what we could do. And yes, sometimes we're not in position to do it, and it looks, will I be able to do this? But when you start speaking out what God says, he's excited. Everything starts to galvanize because angels hearken to the voice of God's word, the voice of his image and his design for our lives. So when we start to speak it out, angels like, man, finally I get something to do, man. I'm waiting on this guy, you know, waiting on this young lady. Okay, oh, finally they done woke up. Let's go, right? But when you start speaking doubt, unbelief, you start speaking second-guessing God's design, they're like, man, we haven't going to get to work, right? They hearken to the voice of God's word, what God has said about you, and God is speaking based on his design. That's why Psalm 19, 14 says, uh, the words of my mouth, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord I was my strength and my redeemer, right? Right. So what are the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart that be acceptable and excite? Everything that lines up with his image for my life, <laughs> right? That would be acceptable, but just uh, uh, put myself down, not, not believing or speaking the things God said. Scripture says in Isaiah 40, 13 to 14, who was his counselor? Who invite God? God is all wise. Who did he uh, consult with to, 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 to design the seeds? This is the person that designed us and put image in us. Wisdom starts with God. Power, might, intellect, knowledge starts with God. All that's in us. And, and we actually decide to choose things that we think is better than God's way at any time. I'm, I'm, even if it's positive, even if it's spiritual. If it's not in line with God's design for you, like, like God's saying, like, really? Oh, so I didn't think of that. I didn't consider that either. Oh, that stumped me. We're talking God here. And so God's trying to get us uh, back in line with his word. Now, this is, remember we said what changes the canvas is unbelief. Let's go to 1 John 3. 1 John 3. So we start taking on this, this conformity and, and, and taking on all this stuff that God didn't uh, originate or it's not a part of his design. Remember, it makes us hard and callous. Then comes the chisel, right? <laughs> you know, and, and God shouldn't have to work that hard with us. Uh, verse, 1 John 3, 21. Look at it. It says, beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God and his design. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. We just said without faith it's possible to please God, have faith in his design. We're doing the things that's, that's when we have faith in God's design, the way God, as opposed to, man, that's too spiritual, that's too holy. Man, ain't nobody perfect. Shut all that noise and just roll with God. Because it's only considered too holy or too spiritual if you're comparing it to the world. But God didn't make what he made in consideration of comparison to anything. God made what he made because it's what we needed to fulfill us. Right? So, our hearts condemn us. If our heart doesn't condemn us, we're rolling with God. We're doing the things that's pleasing in the sight. The Bible says the commandments aren't grievous. They're keeping us with, within the, the narrow way that leads us to life and peace in his design. Nothing else is, is, is going to make us happy. So it's not a punishment. He's trying to bless us. I gave it up. 
That's when you bless me. <laughs> right? If our heart gets that's a, there's no condemnation of them that are in Christ Jesus. We forget the in Christ Jesus part. We just, is that, people use that scripture now. Oh, they don't master mix that scripture. That scripture is saying, yeah, you know, I miss it. Everybody miss it. I'm not doing the right thing. But ain't no condemnation. Them that are in Christ Jesus. They're focusing on there's no condemnation part. Well, I'm not going to be condemned because ain't nobody perfect. Listen, don't be condemned, but don't be condemned because you're in Christ. I'm not going to be condemned with the criticism I'm going to get for trying to live in Christ. I'm not going to be condemned with the persecution I get for trying to walk that narrow path. I'm not going to be condemned with the, with the laughs and the mockery I get because I'm trying to keep myself holy. See, we ain't looking at it that way, are we? There's no condemnation of them that are in Christ Jesus. Right, Mr. Lamar? I'm living for Christ. So there's nothing nobody says is going to condemn me. But we use the scripture to say if somebody talked to you about the truth, well, I'm not going to be condemned. Why would you be condemned if somebody is, is speaking to your image? Why is that even a consideration? But you ain't using condemnation for the, con- the condemnation we walk around with when somebody goes, oh, so you, you, you too holier than now. Oh, so you a Christian now, huh? Man, ain't nobody trying to do all that. See, that's what I'm saying. You too spiritual. Oh, no, no, I'm not condemned. I know I'm not spiritual enough, but if, if, if you're calling me too spiritual, at least I'm some spiritual. I'll take that. But I'm not going to feel condemned because somebody doesn't agree with my walk. Does my walk agree with my, God's image for me? Is it pleasing to God? So I'm not going to be condemned because I'm in Christ Jesus. <laughs> How about flipping it that way? There's another way of looking at it, right? All right, so we'll end with this scripture here, 1 Peter 1. And I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. Remember, imagination, image in action, right? Imagination, image in action, right? All right, so 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, again, I'm going to read it out of Amplified here. It says, so prepare your minds for action, to act on the image of God, Right? To act on what God reveals to your imagination. That's what you want to do. Now, I just added that. That wasn't in the original Amplified. But prepare your minds for action. Be completely sober, in spirit, steadfast, self-disciplined, spiritually and morally alert. Right? Because, once again, there's cues, right? We talked about the cues and the stimuli, right? It says, fix your hope, intense expectancy, completely on the grace of God that is coming to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. See, the grace that's coming to you when Christ is revealed releases the obstructions for you operating in God's design, right? When you wash with that blood. It says, live as obedient children of God. Do not be conformed to the evil desires which govern you in your ignorance before you knew the requirements. Look, look and transforming power of the good news regarding salvation. It says, but, the, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. It didn't say some of it. Be set apart from the world by your godly character. Look, look, and moral courage. You have to have courage to live morally in this life. It says, right, because it is written, you shall be holy, set apart as I am holy. Right? It says, so, so, so you have to operate godly character and moral courage to even roll in his image. It says, you shall be holy, set apart as I am holy. Of course, that's the amplified version. You know, King James says, be ye holy as I am holy. And see, so if I'm looking through the lenses of the world, holiness is not possible. If I'm looking through my natural lenses, period, holiness is, what is holy? How is that even possible? You talking about what Jesus did? Man, ain't nobody Jesus. And then I just go about my business. But if I, if I tap into what's on the canvas of my imagination, when I tap into the image of God in me, I was designed to walk holy. See, so, so, so I'm, not, I'm not playing off of where I'm at, how long it's going to get there, how long am I going to get there, how long is it going to take, what's the measure. I'm setting my course to be set apart. 
See, uh, I think I shared this with you, but we were talking about parenting one day. And I said, uh, I said this is the thing. To, to, to be the best parent we all can be, we just got to be all in with God, right? I said, and praying in the seat. But we can't stop to see if we're there yet. And normally as a parent, you stop, how, what is stopping to see if you're there yet look like? Is the child what you think you want them to be at this stage, right? But that's not, that's, that, but once you set your target, if the child is, is, is where you think they should be, you're not going to pray for them no more? You're not going to intercede? You're not going to press into the things of God? Like, finally, you got where you're supposed to be good. Because I was tired of living for God. <laughs> That's how we rolling? No, right? So, with that in mind, we're setting ourselves to press into God and to intercede and to be in God's face and to, to be on that wall for our family as a lifestyle, aren't we? So, the last thing you want to do is, it's not a lifestyle if you're stopping to see, are we there yet? Because you got to get out of the presence of God to look at what's going on in the natural, right? So you just got to lock in. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm younger than some, older than others, but I've seen the results of that. You look up and things you, were, you almost forgot you was praying for manifest. Now, God exposed this information to your pastor's to share, not to create hurdles, to condemn. The, ain't nobody getting into all that. Hey, hey, if somebody sends you directions, okay, so, so you come to my house and you ask to get to my house, and I send you the directions, you're going to go, see, there you go, man. You're going to send me directions. I'm over here. I'm sending you directions how to get there. You're not, I don't know where you're at. I don't know how long it's going to get you. If we all come into the house, it's going to take us different times to get there. But while we're on the freeway, are you going to get on 485, stop, pull off to the side, go look at your compass to see where you're at? You're going to keep following the instructions and keep your momentum going until what? Until you get there. When you get there, after you get there, you're going to erase the directions from your mind? You see what I'm saying? Like, like, like this is what we're doing in our lives. Set that target, lock in, and move forward. Lock in on that image and trust that image, okay? So I said that was the last scripture, so I'll be obedient. That'd be the last scripture. So what, uh, what stood out for us today? What do we, what, what we realize? How will we stretch challenge? 